today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie Email todaycb at rte.ie in the UK, protesters who wear masks could face arrest, up to a month in jail and a £1,000 fine under new proposals which are being considered by the British government. So should we look at a similar policy here in Ireland? Well, for more on this, we're joined by Pat Leahy, former assistant guard, the commissioner, and Liam Herrick, who's executive director of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. And you're both welcome to the programme this morning. Pat, first to you, you think that this would be helpful for the Gardaí, do you? I think it would have some uh, positive outcomes for Angara Siakana, uh, generally based on the nature of protests as they happen now, Claire, because there have been some significant changes over time in how protests are conducted in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And we generally have quite a benign uh, legislative environment around protests. And historically, um, really up until very recently, we've had pretty good engagement with protesters in terms of agreement on where they're going because there's no law to determine that for us. Uh, so they, they basically have access almost to everywhere. And there's been very good uh, working relationships between protesters. No matter how committed they were to what they were doing, they nearly always engaged with Dungarashi Corner to determine, OK, what's the best way to get here? What's the safest way for the protesters themselves? And how can you facilitate that uh, for us? Okay. But now there's been a change. And as we, as we sorry for interrupting you, Claire, but we have people protesting outside people's homes. We have people wearing masks. Uh, we have people engaging in real borderline uh, engagement in terms of it's almost stepping over into public disorder. There's intimidation on protests and for the most part the people that are engaging in that are wearing masks or they're wearing scarves up over their nose and all you can see is their eyes so that they can't be identified basically. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask you about because when is a protest a protest and when is it a disorder incident? I'm reading in the Examiner this morning about something that happened on Tuesday night in North Cork City where and the report says that fireworks were discharged like missiles at head height. It seems to have been a gang of teenagers who were out and they were marking the first anniversary of one of their friends who died. But those missiles were aimed at first responders and in that instance the people involved were all wearing face masks. Would a law like this or a policy like this apply in that regard or is there something else there that the guards can use in that case? Well, if the law was there, it would apply to that. And in actual fact, that's what's happening in the UK. There is a ban on pyrotechnics as well as face masks. So they're addressing that element of it because they've been subjected to that uh, quite recently themselves. But look, we've seen that before. That wouldn't be the first time we've seen fireworks uh, being used at protests and pyrotechnics. Um, So so that has happened in uh, recent years. So look, there is a need to address that now. Uh, people will say there's already law for that because in Ireland, fireworks come under the Explosive Substances Act. So it is unlawful to uh, have them in your possession. So you can address that aspect uh, of it Mm -hmm. currently, but in the context of a protest, it has to be part and parcel of the legislation associated with protests, that you cannot bring pyrotechnics to a protest because they're used to intimidate the police Uh, and frighten the police to see if they can uh, provoke a response from the police. 
So there's a very negative use uh, in it in a protest okay. environment. Oh, well, Liam, Pat has explained very well now how protest has changed. Previously, we saw cooperation between the Gardaí and people who were protesting. Not so now in many cases, and we have examples of them in recent times. So do you think that the case has changed here, that the argument really, the basis for the argument from people who say that we need a policy like this, where police would be allowed to arrest protesters who cover their face, that it has shifted somewhat? Well, Clara, I I wouldn't accept that protest is somehow completely different now than it was in the past. Not completely, but we do have good examples of where the relationship between the Gardaí or or the police, as is the case in the UK, has changed. Well, I think that will be news to all of the various groups that have been involved in contentious protests over the last 50 years, where there's often been conflict with the guards. And the issue of wearing masks isn't new either. I think we need to have a distinction here between criminalising activity that, you know, clearly already is criminal in terms of possession of fireworks, assaulting guards, firing missiles at members of the police. These things are already criminal. And what's happening in Britain over the last three to four years, whereas the government there is been trying to introduce legislation that is targeted at at preventing people exercising their democratic rights. So the recent measures about criminalising something that is not a crime, which is the wearing of a mask, just because it's associated with a protest, that's part of a a wider pattern. They've introduced legislation around protests at war memorials, uh, protest banning orders to stop people taking part in future protests, expanding stop and search powers around protests. So there is an agenda in Britain, which thankfully, as Pat says, we have a permissive legal framework here, and I don't think we should change it. I also think that a law targeting the wearing of protests at, mar- at, ma- um, at, at, at ma- masks at protests is going to be completely unworkable because there are so many circumstances in which people will have a legitimate and lawful reason to wear a mask, such as if they have a disability, if they're immunocompromised, or maybe even for a religious reason, or maybe wearing a scarf is actually part of the political statement, as we're seeing at the moment with regard to the Kefia and, and Palestine. So it, a law like this is essentially a recipe for restricting people's democratic rights and will un- inevitably be applied in a discriminatory fashion against certain groups in society mm. and not against others. You wouldn't be comforted by a reassurance that you know this would be used in a very reasonable way by the Gardaí and someone who was wearing a mask for religious or on reasons or on health grounds. They wouldn't be a target. They wouldn't, there, there wouldn't be any cause for them yeah. to be arrested. It is the troublemakers who are wearing the masks to deliberately conceal their faces because they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, they would be the people who would be arrested. You see, Claire, the difficulty here is that disorder and crime happens at protests, and we have a wide range of powers to deal with that already. It's not the wearing of the mask that should be the target of the policing intervention. And I think, let's just imagine a scenario where there is a large demonstration in O'Connell Street, that there is some tension and conflict. And the guards are expected in an operational context to distinguish and to identify which members of the group in front of them are people with legitimate disabilities or people who are immunocompromised or people who have religious reason to doing so. That's completely impractical and it's going to lead to more problems. I think there are serious discussions we need to be having at the moment about 
training, resourcing and operational questions around how we manage protests at the moment. I mean, there undoubtedly are certain challenges at the moment. I don't think it's a sea change, but there are certain patterns that do require new tactical approaches. And I think that's where the focus should be. Mm -hmm. And indeed, the Guard Inspectorate has already laid out some of those challenges. And some of them are to do with ensuring the Guards are properly trained and equipped. And some are make sure that there is more accountability and greater transparency about how the guards use the powers they already have. Yes, and I, I see in the Irish Times this morning there is more training happening when it comes to a, a special police unit dealing with a protester removal. But Pat, what do you say to all of that? That it's probably reasonable to say that tackling the wearing of the mask probably isn't the issue and there are laws already in place for illegal behaviours at these protests. That's right, Claire. And look, first of all, we have to see that there are two very different legislative environments uh, between the UK and Ireland. We have a very passive, benign situation here. But as I said, the nature of protest has changed and we do have to restore the balance of rights that's there. So it's not uh, about um, just relying on the fundamental right that you have to protest it has changed. We have seen you now people protesting outside people's homes. That's a whole new departure that needs to be addressed. There has to be a discourse uh, around it. And a lot of the legislation that we currently use is after the fact. So you have to have uh, police uh, put in fear. You have to have them injured. You have to have it actually taking place. There's no real preventative legislation that says, you know what, we don't want to get to the point. Uh, where police are being assaulted before we can actually take action uh, and that. So we're we're looking at preventative legislation here. And again, we can't get away from the fact that the police historically in Ireland, and it's still the same, they always put out the guards in uniform first. They never deploy the public order unit first because they don't want to provoke a response. They don't want to create an environment where there's going to be uh, some pushing and shoving or toing and froing between protesters. It's always a benign approach by the police, but unfortunately, that doesn't always work anymore. And they find themselves then you have your front line of young men and women uh, being hit with stones and pyrotechnics and being abused and insulted and intimidated because we choose that benign approach to protest. Mm-hmm. But uh, how, comfortable, be- how comfortable are you, Pat, with somebody going to a protest who wears a, a face covering for religious reasons, being in fear that they're going to be arrested for doing just that, attending a protest with their face covered? That's where the training comes in, Claire. I absolutely uh, agree that we have to find a way to address that. Of course, we cannot get into a situation uh, where, for religious reasons, people are wearing face coverings and then now we're going to go and demand that they take them off. That cannot be the situation, and I would fully support that. We have to find a way of identifying who's there uh, to engage in nefarious activities, to engage in violence and uh, disorderly behaviour. And at the moment, that's quite identifiable. And I think people know exactly what they're looking at. But there has to be training around that. And of course, we don't want to step into that space where we're interfering with people's uh, religious rights. Mm-hmm. We focused on arrests, but Liam, it makes it harder for Gardaí to gather intelligence when people are wearing face coverings. Do you think that that is the right position to have the Gardaí in? Because that interferes, I'm sure you would say too, with people's rights. It does. And I mean, one of the reasons in Britain why this is such a contentious issue is because many protesters and trade unions are rightfully concerned about the extent of facial recognition technology that's been deployed against them. 
you know, somebody going out to exercise their democratic right to take part in a protest may have very good reasons why they may not want to be filmed. For example, they may not be comfortable with their employer knowing that they have particular political views. And that is a democratic right that they should be allowed to maintain. Um, I, I think w- when we talk about preventative measures here, there's a real danger that the actions of a very small criminal minority lead to a policing response or a legislative response that takes away the rights from everybody else. And I think we are concerned about preventative measures that are being taken in Dublin at the moment. I mean, since last September, where there was one violent uh, protest led by anti-immigrant groups outside Leinster House, there's been an increasing practice, which we've observed, of Angarda Siakana closing off large parts of the city centre, even when there's very small demonstrations taking place. But you haven't mentioned and what happened in November. Uh, well, well that, that's a separate matter. And I mean, that, that was a spontaneous event. I think, as Pat will know, I mean, I th- think there are two different questions here. One is how the guards plan and respond to large pre-planned events. And as Pat rightfully says, generally there's been good engagement and the Garda Shikana has a good record of managing those events. There's a separate question when spontaneous events take place and decisions about deployment have to take place in very short order. And I think when we look back at the events in November and there has been a guard review on that it's clear that there are lessons that still need to be learned on that I mean interestingly the guard inspectorate comprehensive report from 2019 one of its main recommendations is that there was a problem of responding to spontaneous events and it said that when they tended to occur it seems that guards got back up by personal contacts rather than by a central control. And and the same problem seems to be manifesting itself more Mm -hmm. than four years later. So I think there's learning on both accounts, but what we don't want to see is that the actions of a very small group in society and their illegal behaviour leads to everybody having diminished democratic rights. Okay, thank you both for joining us this morning. Liam Herrick there and Pat Leahy. We'll take a break. Text 51551 Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.